We got any like oh Come and see gun in it by the one file if you want you've paid it Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Welcome everyone. This first is uh, many. our first trial, I guess, first episode, episode one. First instalment. Um, yeah. uh, we pretty much time coming. Yeah, I guess we should explain why we even are doing this. Yeah, um, why we're here. Basically, we wanted to set up a, a space um, for us because we just love having conversations and talking about interesting stuff. Um, and we wanted to bring ourselves closer to the fans um, and kind of give people a bit more insight into like our personalities and our other interests. Um, and especially at the moment, we're in different places um, and we're kind of all going through mm. some creative uh, growth on individual levels and um, getting ready for um basically making new music next year but in the meantime while we're in different places um we wanted to maintain some sort of connection with each other and with the audience with you guys mm. um and other creatives so. as well like other musicians and we'll probably have i guess guests and sorry my phone's bloody going off um have guests on maybe other musicians or friends of ours or other creatives maybe other podcasters yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I feel think like at this stage, loose format, pretty loose yeah. format. I think it'll evolve over time. Yeah. Um, sorry, Joe. It, it will evolve oh, over time. Joe we lost Joe. But I think Damn. that it. one of the main goals is to give you all really a clear idea of, of who we are as individuals mm. and why sort of we are a band and sort of expanding on our personal interests and just so you can get a bit of a, a look into... Uh, us as people and as a project outside of the context of on stage or you know more like a living room like you're sitting in a living room with us and i think that's really what we're going for um yeah and so yeah it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> what discussions we have and i think you guys will enjoy it or maybe not at all <laughs> but that's fine too yeah 100 yeah. percent. i think like fly on the wall kind of stuff because um uh, this this is pretty interesting, but we've sort of been a band now for about 10 years. And I think it's coming to the point where, yeah, as Joe mentioned, we're sort of taking a break. We're kind of like growing individually, focusing on some personal stuff too. Um, not to say that the band is like actually taking a break on hiatus. We've just kind of decided to, you know, take a moment to explore some personal things. Yeah. Um, but with that said, like we have experienced so much together. We've seen so much together. We've done so much together. Um, and I think a lot of the experiences that we have come to form together, um, there's actually a lot of value we can share with like the community as well and with other people. And I mean, I think just generally as well, it's it's just so much fun to kind of chat because as well as being bandmates, we're all sort of best friends too. And I think that's something that um, isn't shared across many bands that at least I've met. Because, um, yeah, I guess we can kind of dive into the history a little bit. We did have a few people asking us to touch on that. Um, it may yeah. be good for like this this first installment to kind of give a bit yeah. of an, an overview of how we even became a band, how we all met, um, and mm. everything like that. So, yeah. well, um, I think yeah. also this space is there so that when people have questions for us and things that they want to know about us, we can bring that up in each yeah. each podcast. We can compile questions that come in on social media that you guys yeah. ask us, 
Um, and also, we're pretty we rubbish with like keeping a social media presence or like <laughs> you know engaging with fans on TikTok or Instagram. So maybe this is kind of like a more open, long format style for us to be able to connect with people and yeah, like you're, like just yeah. saying with questions and stuff without it being like you know us, especially when we're not in the same city or the same country or whatever. Um, for us to be able to still connect and not feel like we've just dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, and I yeah, think exactly. also um, it could be a really interesting way for us to bring our audience into the creative process a bit more. Um, like when we're sharing ideas with each other from a distance, whether it's some demos that we're working on, um, yeah. it it could be a way to almost just get like some preliminary feedback on ideas from mm. the fans and see... Um, help people get an idea of how we actually create and um, also just uh, bringing in our friends um, who are in the music industry and mm. maybe not just in the music industry, but people who um, want to share their music um, and their perspectives and their process, like friends of ours that we've had as part of our journey. I think um, that's all going to be relayed to mm. uh, the audience over these podcasts. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that opportunity to actually engage with our fans. Um, so, on on this note, actually, a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping. Are we are we going to be going for like a NSFW kind of approach? Are we going to be swearing? Are we going to be trying to be a little bit more diplomatic? Like how well, how do we kind of want to actually approach it's this? A, it's just a good question because living room. Living room. <laughs> no, but cool. at least eighty yeah. percent. <laughs> but it comes it comes down to like I guess the platforms will be going on so. I think yeah. most platforms are fine with swearing. Like Spotify is fine. Mm. Um, I think where you come where you come into issues is maybe YouTube and stuff. No. Or certain ones, maybe Instagram with like monetization. I feel like they should say like a foot. Yeah. I think swearing's fine but as long swearing. as it's nothing that's like. I guess we'll find out like, anyway. Oh. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't really matter. But I think yeah, yeah it doesn't really matter in terms of of that. It's more or less. Um, comes down to like certain platforms but most of them are fine with it anyway well, why don't we why don't we move on to where everyone's at right now and like yeah and what we're up I guess to it's a good place in to those start. places like to start off i'm in in barcelona i'm here for another two weeks actually and then i'm gonna be flying yeah. back to australia for a bit of summer and right now i'm basically just uh working on my instruments and sort of enjoying the last bit of my time here before heading yeah. to Australia for family times and Christmas and New Year's and um, actually also planning to work on a solo release over that period in uh, from like December to March kind of thing. Um, so that's exciting and it should be nice to bleed out of that process you- into a new, hopefully new work with Tora and a new record. Hopefully. What are you going for, the vibe for this, this release? Um, well... So that's sort of something you have to work out, but like because I've spent the last year playing a lot, a lot more piano than any other instrument and a lot more than I've been producing or doing anything really, I think there's going to be quite a strong like uh, sort of emphasis on that being a foundational layer. So I think I'm just going to build up from there, Mm -hmm. taking into account the previous releases and like what I've done previously, but not you know, handcuffing myself to that by any respect. But anyway, I'll let you guys say where you're at. Yeah. Well, I'm currently in Switzerland in the studio that um, we built 
here um, earlier this year at a friend's place, Dali. Um, and I've been here for a couple of months now, just chipping away at um, some new music. I'm also doing the same as Jai, um, just having a crack at some solo stuff. Um, and I think it's been really helpful for me um, to have kind of like the creative uh, boundaries lifted, I guess. Um, sometimes working on Torah tracks can be like, because we've established a sound and a vibe, um, it's easy to like trick myself into thinking um, that it needs to be a certain way. And so working on the JPL stuff has been cool for me because um, it's kind of like there's no expectations. Um, there's nothing that um, people are expecting to hear or no one's going to be upset if it's not a certain way. So it's been cool for me to do that. And um, I'm getting to the point where I've got some songs which I'm going to release next year. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, in general, it's been really cool because Toby's been here as well. I don't know if you guys know, uh, the audience um, knows, but Toby is um, the... The guy that used to sing in Torah and was one of the main songwriters in Torah um, for the early releases that we put out um, up until Take a Rest. And so we haven't really done anything together for five years. Um, and then it turns out he was in the same, he came um, to be in the same place for a bit. And so it's been really interesting dynamic to kind of like work on our solo projects next to each other in like a different way. Um, and it brought us... I think it's brought us together in a in a weird way, like not being mm. clashing creatively, but more like assistive. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear nice. that. Yeah, and then and um, I, I noticed that, that of, as well, being there, like just sort of seeing that dynamic unfold a little bit with all of us, just like yeah. having very little pressure, but kind of just like jamming a little bit or like just hanging out. It's, yeah, exactly. it's kind of like was a nice way to sort of rekindle that creative energy between at least the most of us um and just yeah. see what that felt like which mm -hmm. was interesting so we'll see where that leads we'll see where that yeah. leads yeah well i'm i'm yeah. excited because basically like where we got to with the conversation since is like toby's kind of uh interested in potentially getting involved in the next torah record which i think all of us are probably pretty excited mm -hmm. about because we all know spoilers perhaps we'll see Spoiler alert. <laughs> toby can be and um i think it'd be a huge addition yeah. to anything we work yeah. on. No, I think that's really right. cool. And I think it says a lot about um, just how much we've sort of grown as people as well, because um, I do remember when we were kind of, we had just finished Take a Rest um, and there was a little bit of, well, actually not a little bit, enough of interpersonal band tension to kind of like uh, for Toby to sort of want to step aside. Mm, uh, yeah. But I mean, I won't, sp I won't speak too much for him, but you know, it's, it's kind of insane um, just how much we do grow as people over time and I think it's really really cool that we can actually kind of get back together and the vibes are still there and I think that mm. actually says a lot about um, just sort of who we are as people and just sort of how we like to interact with one another creatively and I, I think it's actually really special that we sort of have that as a band and we have that in our friend group as well because um, yeah usually like ego can get in the way and then like pride will just never allow something to regalvanize like that so yeah yeah it's really really cool uh, Shawnee, yeah. where, whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in Berlin. I moved, um, I was in Amsterdam and uh, two You weeks moved ago. out, hey? Moved yeah. out of Amsterdam. It was Dumb. super weird. I literally wow. moved, well, because the bed at my place, um, 
<clears throat> wasn't mine. So I didn't really have any like furniture really. I sold mm. the desk and the chair um, and everything else was like, I had my little three quarter bays and uh, my clothes. So I had two suitcases, a backpack and um, a bass guitar and then just caught a train to Berlin. So it's pretty sweet. <laughs> and uh, wow. it was like ultimate, it's like a little backpacking sort of experience. Um, it's kind of humbling when you can fit most of your belongings in, you know, three bags and just be able to like move around um, and catch a train. Very versatile. Very versatile. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it was like, it was nice, but then I was also like, well, I guess I have a bunch of stuff in a, in in Australia still, but um, but here I'm, I realized how little, I guess, like belongings or shit I had just laying around. Mm. But yeah, anyway, I'm in, I'm in Berlin now. I've been catching up with um, artists, a friend of mine, Ozzy. Um, he in Berlin? He's done, yeah, he's been living. He'd been living here for a year. He actually just oh. moved back to Amsterdam, though. We literally just went. Oh really? Switch. Okay. But oh, um, but he introduced me to a bunch of musician, DJ, producer guys. All live in the house together in in Mitte. Um, and they're legends. Uh, Ray, Sorry. he runs like an indie label that's got um, that has Aussie signed to him and a, a bunch of other sort of indie electronic artists. Um, so being catching up with those boys and kind of getting into like, I guess, a little peeping into sort of like the the Berlin music scene that's not just hard techno, I guess. Because <laughs> um, there is a lot of that here, but there's also a lot of other other things going on if you look deep enough. Um, and then also being, I guess, working on the sort of mixing, uh, I can't really say too many things right now because they're not released or whatever but working on then on other people's funny enough where i'm on a podcast and i'm working on other people's podcasts <laughs> so like <laughs> podcastception um so that's been fun it's kind of different like being able to stand behind the sort of uh curtains i guess in a way not being at the forefront of like having to create the content or being part of the image of the content but just being able to be behind the yeah behind the curtains or whatever and uh working on the mixing and the sort of technical side of stuff like that and then hopefully moving into sort of like a bit more studio work and things like that once i can establish myself more here in berlin um yeah i was looking at doing that stuff at stamped but after the decision of moving to berlin from amsterdam it made it a bit more difficult to to keep that going unless someone right. comes and slaps down a fat stack of cash and wants to go do a studio yeah, session <laughs> do they not have any like uh like affiliated studios or partners in in berlin mm, not really because because that studio well i guess they they would have like mates that would work at different studios but uh yeah they're much more like very how do you say it because they have a record label publishing and a, and a studio so they're almost like this one year right right um and so, you know, they, I'm sure they have like some sort of connection to studios and stuff here, but there's not so much like an affiliate program type thing with them. I think they really, they've only been, they've only been open for, I think, five years or something. It's still a very, very new, very new studio in terms of like the, you know, music scene, record, record scene. Um, but yeah, it's a super nice place. Who knows? Really I'll be cool. back there soon, I'm sure. Where are you at, Thon? Uh, so I'm in the Big Apple, New York City at the moment. Um, 
uh, it's pretty good, pretty cold. But I have to say, compared to Amsterdam, uh, it's actually blue skies and cold. Uh, there's That's like nice. there doesn't seem to be a lot of rain here at all. Although some of the locals tell me otherwise, but um, from what I've experienced, it's just like yeah, beautiful blue sky, very crisp air, but very very cold now. Um, but it looks like it'll be getting a little bit warmer soon. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm here working with a project called the Unit Network, which I'm co-founding with a few friends. Um, it's kind of like a tech crypto company startup. Um, basically dived in to work with these guys almost like two years ago now, actually, which is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of hinged off a discussion I was having with Joe about uh, tokenizing our record label and potentially tokenizing Tora as a band. Um, and for those of you that don't really know what tokenizing is, it's kind of like uh, an opportunity to bring a community closer to a creator, you know, where um, we can kind of bridge the gap and we don't have to have so many middlemen and, or intermediaries and we can kind of have a more intimate relationship with fans or community members um, and they can kind of like share in certain pieces of ownership they can get access to certain bits of content whatever it is like the whole space is is very young super emergent but um yeah it brings it brings to an interesting point it's like i think one of like the talking points and like discussions we'll be having throughout as a theme throughout this podcast will be sort of touching on the future of the music industry as we see it potentially and like where there are issues and how things can be improved and like tips for even other creatives who you know are are new to the space and are trying to understand the complexity and you know because it's a very complex industry and a lot of people don't realize i think how much there is to it that you need to sort of have covered um, and we've learned slowly but surely over 10 years how much there is. And I really think that um, we can provide some great insight to c- creatives who want to enter the space, but also just anyone who wants to know how the music industry works or wants to get into the music industry as a non-creative. Um, there's a lot of information that we'll be sort of uh, giving to to yeah. to you as listeners um, throughout this podcast and, um, you know, and how that how that information and uh, on the uh, in regards to the industry might relate to stuff like crypto or you know even politics or um, yeah. so it should be an interesting uh, point exactly and I think it's it's like a very emergent space I mean the music industry itself is is undergoing a bit of a paradigm shift or like a revolution in terms of how mm. technology actually interfaces with what's happening. Um, and I think the music industry, because there's so many legacy systems um, and institutions built around it, I think it's one of the slower moving or slower evolving systems as well. So I would I would forecast that within the next sort of five to 10 years, things are going to be getting very, very interesting. And at least for the artists, I think they're going to be feeling a lot more empowered. Um, mm. They'll have faster access to capital. Do you mean in royalties. terms of like Web3 type? Like yeah, the, Web3 like stuff. Implementation. But even just like using, uh, I don't know, like using blockchain for royalty accounting yeah. and all of this kind of stuff. Like if we can get all of the main DSPs to actually align um, and kind of, you know, share information more freely and faster, yeah. I think what really should happen is someone streams a Torah song and it's like a royalty is generated and gets mm-hmm. distributed and sent straight to a wallet. And it's, like the technology <laughs> exists for that to actually happen. Yeah, instead of that, it's like, a, for those who don't know, it takes about, I, I would say almost a year to actually receive those funds. Sometimes more. even more. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. I've been sometimes, paid. Sometimes, sometimes like. five years. Sometimes you never get paid. <laughs> and it's crazy. And Usually. it's like, I, I, I don't want to be one of those guys who's, you know, constantly bitching about how how painful the music industry is because there's, there's a lot of pros to the whole thing 
everything, but I think it's sure. not to discount the fact that there's a lot of improving that can be done. And yeah, I'm, I think, I'm, yeah, it's exciting. I think the, the, the barrier to having a uh, well-oiled machine, so to speak, right now is it's like a really high bar to get there. So like we might sort of see us at a point now where like the systems that we have are like pretty well stuck in place and they work well. Mm. But like, I think as a newcomer to the industry, a new artist or whatever, you know, trying to work out all those systems and like build them up so that they will work for you is like, it takes a really long time. And um, yeah, I yeah. really want to see that change. So like, I really would like to see mm. the difficulty of getting things happening smoothly be minimized. So that's yeah. just way Agreed. easier. I think that's why most people default to like, you know, a major label deal or something like that. Which is part you of can the problem. Just, you literally just, you just chill and make your music and then you don't have to think about your distro and your publishing and your touring and fucking it, pretty much everything. Royalties. Which can work amazing for some people, but um, it can also be detrimental to other people's careers. I mean, and without casting shade. Every, like everything. There's like pretty much every artist who I know who's on a major label is not happy with it. So that kind of, the, like, <laughs> it, it shows it's, the business it's thing, model is not, it's not fair for the artist, or at least, I mean, that's not that's kind of subjective because as the artist, um, I, I have a bias. But from what I've seen, um, a lot of the time, people in major label deals are getting really unfair rates and are just not happy with their label. And as soon as... Um, as soon as the hype dies down, they kind of just get ignored by their label. Um, and so it's not really sustainable yeah. for an artist to be in that kind of um, setup in this new industry, in the new world, the digital uh, digitalized era where we have streaming and algorithms that basically feed your music to people. Um, artists need to rely less on massive budgets and uh, marketing campaigns and can actually get a lot done with a small, agile team. Um, and mm. I think that that's what's really exciting about this um, this tech boom that we're in. Um, and I think it's yeah. going to continue to go in that direction where we're empowering the, the independent artist to have control over their, their works. Because what we see is that most artists traditionally would, would sign record deals um, and then the label owns those those works and the artist is going to get paid for a, maybe a decade and then eventually the rights revert mm. to the label and they have nothing. Um, whereas yeah. the business model that the independent artist takes on is they record their own works and then they release them and they own them so that they can keep um, control of them and keep benefiting from them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I think that that is a lot more fair in, in the sense sure. that the but artist is the one who's creating is actually the assets. If I, if I am to play devil's advocate here, I think there's mm. many roads that lead to Rome, you know. And I think one one thing that I have seen is um, even if an artist is initially unhappy with like a major label deal, um, they do still get the benefit of like an enormously powerful and influential network. And so when they do leave contracts, they've already got an established fan base. And I think that community, if the artist is um, is wise with how they kind of re-engage them and keep them, you know, in, in sort of the process and following the music, it's very possible for an artist to still be independent after a major label deal and, and have great success as well. For sure. So, I mean, like, I, and this is the other thing as well. I think um, 
Well, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts uh, sort of around this this changing world order. Like, I'm not sure who here knows Ray Dalio, but he's he's put out like a pretty amazing book um, and a really good like YouTube video as well. Anyone can go check it out. Um, but one thing he's really talking about is uh, these different sort of layers that get built on top of existing systems and structures. So, for example, we have like the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug mm. Administration. And these guys um, have no fealty to anyone. You can't elect them. You can't fire them. Um, mm. They basically just are in charge of every single thing that goes into your mouth or onto your body. Um, and so they're an enormously influential uh, agency. And because of this, it's not really possible to reform them. And the same thing exists for the sort of monetary or financial system. And I think the same thing is almost true for the, the current music industry. And so rather than going in and trying to reform and to protest and to, um, to sort of like try and break the thing, uh, the best alternative is actually to just make a new alternative. It's, it's, it's to exit. Yeah, um, and this what, is this that's is what it. Apple did exactly with the streaming, with yeah. iTunes streaming, yeah. right? They didn't wait for like the music industry to do it. It took like a, a tech company that had nothing to really do with music to like completely reimagine how do we consume music, mm. you know, from CD shops to now having DSPs where like before that, um, you know, you used to go buy your CD at your JB Hi-Fi and then people would, you know, upload them to like, Think mm. platforms like LimeWire or Hamster <laughs> or whatever, and then you know, Lamster. and then they they were saying, well, the music industry is dead. Everyone's just downloading music now. They're not going to pay for it. Uh, how do we save this? And Apple yeah. was like, well, excuse me, how about we just make it accessible? How about we just make a streaming yeah. thing? They said, oh well, no, they won't help. They're still going to download it. Man, mm. tell me anyone now that would actually bother. Maybe a DJ and only DJ. Maybe I swear only. Maybe DJs. a DJ. Okay, yeah. but that's different. Well, you have you, to. You, you actually have, you to, have to. As a DJ, you got these catalogs. You got these mm. thumbsticks. But I mean, for consumption, like just your everyday, yeah, everyday Joe that's just wanting to listen to music on their iPhone, they're not going to go upload music to their iPhone. It's just not practical easier. because, like, no. at the end of the day, we do have like so much, so much data to store in our devices yeah. and you like imagine all that music if you wanted to keep it on your phone it would crazy just, it would never ha it would never work yeah because back in the day it'd be like we had like 10 bands you, you liked and you had like two yeah, three albums from each and that was it did you but like, ever, like have a that CD experience stacker though? in your car and it's like Doot, like on your experience. ipod or like your itunes the amount of songs you had was like a flex like, yeah, and how well ordered like they were and did you have yeah. the album artwork and this whole it thing was, that, it, was, yeah. it was i was so into that <laughs> I was into that as well. I, I used to love my little fucking blue iPod or like I had so many different ones, but like the generations and the evolution yeah. of that technology is just such an interesting thing to re reminisce about. I think I still um, have a 30 gig one at home somewhere. Well, like, yeah, the so thing 30 gig would have been so boss back then. That was the like the yeah. nice big shiny one. Like, <laughs> the thing that I find exciting oh, about um, streaming and even things like Shazam is it really gives us an insight into the kind of people who are listening to our music and who are interested in our mm. music. And it kind of creates mm. this almost like two-way relationship with your fan base or with your audience because you're actually seeing which ideas get more love and which ideas don't work and like people don't understand. And I mean, mm. look, to some degree, the artist is the one who it's like, it. what matters most is that the artist is happy with their work. But yeah. there, there's no denying that the way that the audience responds actually impacts the way that you end up feeling about those works. And yeah, well, so I, it's been super interesting true. for us. I think it's been a big part of our evolution is like because we basically started in the streaming era, 
Um, and that was like a big part of what helped us develop our sound was on SoundCloud, putting up songs and seeing like people's comments and seeing which ideas or which styles were resonating most with the online community. And I think that actually impacted like the way that we make yeah. music and the music that we ended up releasing over time. It's like because of that, because of streaming, like it's changed the way we make music. I would say that's very true. Why don't we take a step back though and just kind of give people who maybe don't know us as well, or like people who do know us but don't know the story, like a little bit of insight into how we know each other and mm -hmm. how we met and why we became a band. Um, maybe Joe, I'll let you take the reins on that. Yeah. To start. Well, um, yeah, it goes way back. Um, it actually goes all the way back to when Sean and I were nine years old. Um, I joined, I'd moved mm. from London where I grew up, um, to Australia, um, close to Byron Bay. That's where we all grew up actually. Um, and I went to a new school and I met Sean, um, at this Steiner school. It's like a very hippie school where everybody like you wear bare feet in the classroom when you're kids. <laughs> you and, like, <laughs> and, um, so that's your fucking true. I forgot that. You climb trees. I'm so used to wearing shoes now. I legit used to take my shoes off to go into class. That's wild. Wow. Yeah, fully man. forgot that. I mean, it was a Rudolph Steiner school. If we're yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So, but it was so a pretty nice wooden flooring, one. so you don't want to fuck with that. It it's was, but very school. heavy emphasis on the arts and on personal motivation as well. Yeah. I think, I think um, not to diverge too much, but a lot of the people I know that were there from the beginning until the end didn't appreciate it as much as people who came sort of halfway and had experienced mm. other schooling mm. systems. Mm. Um, yeah, because when I, I arrived from New Zealand, I arrived from like a private school where I had to have a tie and like <laughs> suspenders to hold my socks up. Yeah. And next thing I'm here and everyone's <laughs> just running around barefoot, shirts off. It's just Doing like outrageous, me. man. And I, I, I had a bit of a, a yeah, I had an interesting well, I mean, moment fashion-wise. We, we did yoga and me like in the mornings twice a week or whatever. Like yeah. it was definitely a different yeah, yeah, type yeah, of yeah. education. Um, but anyway, the so, point is Sean and I met in year three when we were nine years old. Um, and I think maybe the year later we started our own <clears throat> band with a few, like a few of the girls and boys from our class. It was like a blues band or something. Um, and then, so we were kind of playing yeah. music together for a while. Um, and eventually after having three or four different band names, we had like a high school band with Toby, who was also one of the original members of Torah. Um, and when we were in high school, um, I actually had a really significant, um, experience. Uh, my oldest sister's boyfriend was my guitar teacher and my mentor. Um, and he died in a car crash when I was 13. And when that happened, I basically just decided that music was my destiny. And um, I wrote my first songs and just got obsessed with it. Um, and in that process, yeah. yeah. before that, Joe, you were like the... You were soccer like player. the Ronaldinho of our school, pretty much. <laughs> mm. <You> were, <laughs> I was playing soccer like, soccer like soccer, seven soccer, times soccer. a week, two hours a day for Dude, like literally 14. literally played soccer in his sleep. Yeah, nice. <laughs> And I was like, I'm never going to drink alcohol. I'm never going to smoke yeah. weed. <laughs> Until that fateful oh, evening. Wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then anyway, and then um, Jai was um, the younger brother of Sean and I, Sean and my best friend, Che. Um, mm. We were like the three musketeers kind of getting up to mischief all the time. Um, and and uh, Jai's dad asked me to teach him guitar. Um 
And so I did probably started teaching you when I was when you were like ten or something, Jai, right? Ten. Ten. Yeah, yeah. I was ten. Um, we were like fifteen or sixteen. Um, and that kind of went on for a little bit. Um, and I actually was like super impressed because Jai's just like naturally such a talented person, picks things up really easily, and he was really enthusiastic all the time. Um, and I moved to Melbourne. Um, and Thorne was also at our school, but we never really, really connected at school. Um, uh, but when later I moved to Melbourne and I was working in a call center and I ended up, uh, one of me or one of our friends got Thorne a job at the call center and we reconnected. Che, actually. Che, exactly. Yeah, bumping Che. pivoting point. I'm at this place, I'm making stacks. You should come get a job. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. What do you do? I sell electricity. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, and then it turns out that there were like what five, six people like from ten. our school, or like we, ten we, people from the I, area. I, I literally there. got like ten people jobs at that. Point. So funny, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, yeah, but anyway, so Thorne and I were like connecting um, at that workplace, and each evening we would all go like for beers, or every like after work we'd have beers, and we were like, "How are we going to get out of this job?" kind of thing. And eventually, Thorne and I decided that we wanted to set up a company um, that was going to basically revolutionize the energy industry and start like decentralizing power stations and all this stuff. Anyway, we ended up moving back to Byron Shire and I started teaching. You guys were way ahead of your time, basically. (laughs) Yeah, we were like 10 years too early for the regulatory like hurdles. (laughs) I think you were good. It's just that that guy just fucking slayed you. Because you, you tried to you tried to undercut him, you tried to steal his clients. Yeah. So we were eighteen. We didn't know anything about business, and we learned the hard way. But anyway, long story short, shark a shark, dude. Yeah, it was we amazing. got pretty shark. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was long, a good experience. Long story though, short, really it was well. good. Um, we moved back to Byron, and um, Jai. I started teaching Jai guitar again, um, but it quickly developed into more of like a songwriting relationship like he came around and started recording stuff with me and toby yeah um and then suddenly we had a couple I think of you guys are kind of teaching me how to produce yeah, more like production yeah like showing me the ropes some programs and like i was learning production and then, yeah. then we were starting to write songs together essentially exactly um and some of those songs kind of came out actually one of the first songs that's not actually on any streaming platforms, but like we wrote a song called Captivate as like me. I think it was me, Toby and Joe. And we, I was going to put that out as, yeah, as my first song under a solo project. But then we just feel like, fuck it. We'll just put it out as Torah. And by that point, we had already put out Unobtainable as like you and Toby had written that and just chucked it on SoundCloud. Mm. And that was when Torah was called Torah's New Coma. And we then mm. cut it down to Torah. And then when everyone was back in the bay... We were like, sweet, mm. let's let's play some music. And remember the first concert? How it's the first concert? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we played at my grandma's at library, at your grandma's no, poetry club <laughs> in the library. Yes, yeah. There's a video. Actually, there's actually a video, there's a video online. On YouTube, right? Go on YouTube and search Dude. Torah cover Matilda. I think or Alt J oh, cover. Yeah, we did Alt J. Matilda. And dude, the one I want to see is the first one. It's really an old one, dude. Bro, my With brother's Joe like, playing those oh. electric drum <laughs> percussion. <laughs> I think I think was that I with think sticky Keegan's fingers. Got, that was with sticky yeah, fingers. Bro. Who filmed that? Someone filmed that. My brother's got the footage of oh. that, and there's just oh this like wonky God. electric drum kit on stage, over. and Joe's just going. The sticky at fingers it, were ripping into us so hard as well. 
Stiggy must have just been no, like, who the fuck are these what's guys? Do you remember Dizza rocked up with right? a punctured lung? He, it sure. was like yeah. the first time oh, we yeah. met them. And then like yeah. Dizza rolled in with a punctured lung and was just like. He's just lying so on the couch. <laughs> but it was also Joe's bit, just bit like Rascal his... were there as well. Yeah, yeah sure. it was three, three, we three bands yeah. as well. Yeah. Man, yeah, that was that was actually all time. But thinking yeah. back to that is, it makes me die inside a little bit because um, like the last time I did actually listen to that recording, it was just so diabolically bad. And I do remember, <laughs> I do remember prior to the show, we were all very under rehearsed. I was especially stressed as well oh, um, because yeah, they, like uh, what was the one beat? Uh, get like it or something. I had to like simplify <laughs> the get like it groove. And yeah. I just, well, the thing was is oh, man. up until then we hadn't really played with like production live we'd yeah, always played yeah. like in our previous bands in high school was always and and then in the conservatorium everything we were playing was always played live you know yeah in a duo or in a trio or in like a four piece or five piece and so what we were trying to do was because we were writing all this music toby you know joe or and jai had been writing music prior to me even coming back up to byron had been writing music like in the box this very like new produced electronic sound that they were experimenting with so then when we came to this like oh let's play live uh, like, we know how to play live we did that for like five years before that'll be easy but what he didn't realize is like all that production stuff when you transfer it to live how the fuck does that work like yeah, yeah how do you that was make like so we're like oh that's curve. easy we'll just you know launch them off these these pads oh, but then how do we keep thorn and the rest of us locked in time. that grid so we, we had like this, so we're using like apple headphones yeah and like just trying to click track in there. it was worth it was even with there was yeah it was these 12 dollar little shitty samsung headphone things or blue or something and we had remember and that like, tiny little headphone amp that we the, had and i had a tiny behringer <laughs> behringer headphone thing connected to my iphone uh, and i would with a click track launch the click track off that no was it really yeah. that's what it was yeah oh i was launching God. the click track from my iphone that was going through this tiny little silver behringer thing yeah. Joe's over there with this like Yamaha electric drum kit. It was literally collapsing God. on stage <laughs> while he was playing it. He was like playing it collapsing and then it was just oh falling in on itself. But I, look, to give us credit, to be fair, I'm not going to say that we were the first band to try and like get this hybrid electronic live setup going. We were, but we, I feel like we, we were, were pretty, we were early enough that every sound guy for the first couple of years of our gigs was just no like, idea. what the fuck are you guys doing? Oh, yeah, like, what, what is this laptop running your guitars? <laughs> yeah, and what yeah. is this thing? Yeah. Like, that, it was just really, really confusing for a while. I think now it's like way, the... Though it's pretty much what every band usually does yeah just to kind of get a cleaner controlled sound no noise on yeah. stage but man at the time like I, yeah we didn't really know what we were doing thankfully well, we had sean we, 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 just yeah. on, we just had no yeah. money so but we also we were using like real like real gear and we and we didn't have yeah we were using amps. soft synths we were using no mm. amps like it was just as as much in the box as possible which was what actually made it kind of difficult in a way as like a beginner yeah. um because like obviously people have been doing electronic music for 40 years but like at this point we'd been producing for like a year or something like yeah we didn't know what we were doing we were literally just in the deep end trying to swim (laughs) but it also did make sense in terms of touring so like it saved us a lot of hassle without having to carry around fucking valve amps and yeah like, especially sure. bass amps. We did use like, it a little bit in the beginning. I, I was using yeah. it. But oh, anyway. You had an amp. But it, but it saved us a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing was like 40 kilos, that amp. Yeah. 
But yeah, we tried a lot of different things. At one stage, Thorn was experimenting with electronic kick pedals instead of like live kick pedals, so oh, we didn't yeah, have to travel with the, the whole drum kit. The first European we kind of went through world. every try that we did. It was literally like lots of evolution, call it like learning by doing. Yeah, sort of it's, it's, and I think there'll be more evolution as well. Like I think for the next record, if we if we go back to live performances um, and touring. Um, for the next record, I think there'll be like another sort of evolution of our live setup to it to a to an extent. I, I will be changing my stuff a little, a little yeah. bit. I think. Yeah. Well, even like the last one, it changed. Like you had an extra two or three freaking hard yeah. synths. Chai's yeah. just yeah. going to synth calypso. Just. Now I got to move on stage, whereas previously, yeah. I would, you know, I'd use Joe's. Like, thing would switch over and it was always like a hassle because it was like to get a, fuck up your whole stage thing i want to get a, like a percussion rack so that i don't have to trek over to thorn's drum kit back to day one bro back what do you mean that's what, is, that's what it was the final oh, evolution is the beginning bro oh, full it's gonna bring the toy to <laughs> isn't that what it back. is infinity is just like yeah. i mean but in a way ultimately that is the thing because i could imagine in a few years time um if we do manage to get off the cusp which is kind of ironic as well because we've sort of mm. been on the cusp for like the last seven years. My girlfriend always gives me shit about this because from when Joe and I first <laughs> met her, we were both like, yeah, you know, tour is a thing. We're like on the cusp. We're nearly going to make it. And we've just <laughs> literally been on the cusp now for our entire cusp. careers. But what's interesting about being on the cusp, let me just say, is it's like there's limitless potential being on the you cusp. You still do whatever the fuck you want. You haven't made it, but you haven't like not made it. And you're well, not like famous, but you're not unknown. And so you're just, yeah. there's possibilities just of just waiting, mm. waiting, waiting. But so maybe the cusp mm. is the, the best place to I be. Mean, I mean, maybe that's the final. How do you actually know when you've made it? Because when, when you have made it, you're going to be like having bigger visions for yourself. And so you still mm. feel like you haven't made it. Even, yeah, it's just a human condition, really. Like five, mm. year, five years ago, looking at where we are now, we would probably consider it as like we made it made it yeah for it sure, just depends for sure. if you just if you're like just considering live big shows as like the end goal then we probably haven't mm. made it we haven't but sold like out look like at streaming anything and like streaming it. revenues and and whatnot then like i think five years ago this we would have considered like oh yeah mm. like that is where we want to be sort of thing mm. Mm. yeah yeah so that's it depends what you're using to sort of like gauge yourself but yeah. what, what I was actually going to say before I diverged is um, that we started out very electronic, but I, I would imagine that when we're playing like the ultimate perfect show, we probably mm. will actually be using valve amps and all of the stuff because you can't really mimic some of the, like the sound that you get from these amplifiers. Like there's a reason yeah, why they I just think sound so this... fucking good and like probably have a, like a Steinway yeah. on stage or like whatever, you know, uh, because, you know, a little exactly soft synth that. is just not going to quite have that same oomph. Um, and so I think the whole thing is pretty cyclic, but I, I, I do appreciate that we are so agile and dynamic and versatile in how we can actually pull our stuff together. Mm. Um, and so I think we've got to pat ourselves on the back for that sometimes because, yeah, we're pretty, pretty, what's the word, ingenious? Mm. In innovative, ingenuity, fucking geniuses. No, I like yeah, so I think we, I think we're innovative. Like we, uh, whenever we have like Almost, new yeah. ideas, we just like start implementing them and figuring out like, okay, how can we make this work in our live set? Oh, we need yeah. to buy this bit of gear. Oh, what's the most economical bit of gear that can do this thing? And then we kind of get by off yeah. like pretty small budgets, considering like, like yeah, mm. for sure. So no, it's pretty awesome. Actually, that leads into a pretty cool idea for maybe listeners that 
maybe musicians or people who are going into a live sphere, either live or in studio, is maybe um, maybe they're interested in, not necessarily we'll talk about it now, but like maybe some of the gear that we use or if they're looking at to like buy microphones and they want, I don't know. They want to know what some we sort use of like for help with like what they should use or if they're looking as like a vocalist, what vocals, like what microphone should they be going for or preamps or mm-hmm. keyboards or synths or, you know, Moogs, yeah. Dave Smith, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I would also so love... Yeah, maybe that's a cool topic for people to, you know, they can message in and be like, hey, next episode, can you please talk about your, you know, your favorite bits of gear or what do you recommend for this sort of thing? Yeah, um, sure. Or what don't to buy, like... Yeah, What's definitely USB hubs need like a global fucking overhaul. Sustain pedals. Sustain pedals and USB hubs are like Whoever the fuck is making sustain pedals and USB hubs straight to jail. Like what the fuck? Straight to jail. Speaking of dodgy USB hubs, we had the worst experience. Um, We were in Melbourne supporting O Wonder at the Forum Theatre. I think that's what it's called. It's like 2,000 people in front of us. Packed room. And... Before the show, I barely remember that something Locked was it out. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember about an hour or two before the show, we're setting up, getting ready for sound check, and then like laptops not working, something's playing around. We're trying everything just frantically for like an hour or two, calling up managers, getting people to bring bits of like gear. They even brought an extra laptop, and like changed, put all of the stuff on the other laptop, set it up, got it ready, and then like we we're like, all right, it's all sweet, and we we get like a song no like I think we get three songs into the set and the laptop just shit itself completely it just yeah it was like crunch brrr, made this made crunch this sound and like noise. exploded <laughs> anyway and it turns out what happened was the USB hub that we were using <laughs> whoever designed it I don't know like what they thought but they basically made it so that the, the the mains power when you plug that in that was like feeding back into like the USB bus or something and, yeah. and fried my my motherboard on my computer <laughs> Um, oh my god and yeah so and i went and did a bunch of research and i found basically that other people had had the same thing happen to them and i was fuming i was like man we gotta sue this company for like damage <laughs> i'm pretty I mean, sure i still got that i think i still have that little um but <laughs> usb hub somewhere yeah, i remember it back in australia i think i've got it in a drawer somewhere it's like sean why haven't you just incinerated the fucking thing man what are you i don't know because about? at one point joe was going to do a full class action lawsuit oh. against him, so it's like, hold on to it so i was like okay i'll hold on to it so i still got it stashed so so so, so. should we should we like Maybe go into some questions that we've got. Does anyone have some? Um, yeah, yeah, we you, do have a few You have some, right? We do. Let me. We'll just answer up. some questions that we've been asked. Um, but also coming back to what Sean was saying, I think um, whoever's actually watching this should just give feedback. But I think um, mm. some of our listeners are going to be technically interested in mm-hmm. I don't know gear, music stuff, royalties, business, all of that. Um, and then some are probably just going to so not be interested. So I do wonder how we maybe can try separate. Well, to, look, maybe we do like a special thinking. shorter form podcast like as well to just focus on that stuff or i, I was know. i was thinking like, like let this, me find these questions this is like an induct introductory episode just to kind of like touch on yeah. what we the kind of range of topics that we'll be exploring in this podcast but i think yeah. what we're going to aim to do is make it so that like uh each podcast will have a like a main topic that we'll be touching on and that will be like in the title so that people can see okay like this mm. one's especially of interest to me um, and yeah. also, depending on what guests we have on, we'll also dictate the main topic that we're going to discuss. 
Um, yeah. So, because I think it's really important for us to be able to give the like the listeners um, an idea of what that to expect from each episode before they commit to watching it. Um, and so, yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. every podcast yeah. that I've seen that's successful tends to have like a main topic. Obviously, this introductory episode is very like free flowing, and I like. Yeah. The, I want to keep that dynamic of like us just being conversational and natural. I think it will yeah. have a conversational. Yeah element to it but yes of course we'll have this sort of like main sort of topic that we gravitate the the, the episode around yeah um there's there's one that i listened to it's, i think it's called the mixing uh was it mixing mastering mixing music podcast or something mm-hmm. anyways these two engineers and and they have that sort of format i think they do a bit shorter format it's about 20 minutes or half an hour mm-hmm. for their ones um and then they have like a <laughs> patreon where you can pay and i think they've got like you know hour two hour long conversations but yeah each of their episodes is normally based around sort of like a main topic and then you can sort of branch off from there um and then we can also do like a section with questions that week or i don't know if there's a an album or an artist that you're frothing at the moment that you want to share we can also touch on that i guess yeah well maybe for these first few we're just like um smashing out the more general stuff um because a yeah. lot of the questions that i'm seeing here from um people um sort of like asking how we all met how did we get the name torah what's it like writing what's the writing process like um from each member's view well also yeah. how did how does lasting friendship and constant close quarters go um, life on the beach, Byron Bay, like, I don't know, maybe it's more general and we're getting more specific over time because I feel like once we've covered these things, like where did the name Torah come from, um, all of this sort of stuff, we've sort <laughs> well, of covered look, it. Let's it's be not like clear, it comes out. Torah didn't mean anything to us when we actually, despite what we've Most said time. in multiple interviews over the years, we've pretty much given mm. different answers for that question over the uh, years but we didn't fucking know like, um, <laughs> the, rea- the reality yes. is that um, we just liked the sound of the name and then we later discovered that it meant all kinds of things like now in Greek um, or tiger in Japanese um, it's also often people think that we named ourselves Torah after the Jewish the book like Torah the book I of mean, Torah um, that actually has a H on the end of it so um, it's not why we called ourselves Torah. Tor- sorry to disappoint anyone who was hoping that was the case. Um, but yeah, it's literally just a name that we like the sound of. Um, and we yeah. thought that it was also, um, you couldn't tell if it was like a, an individual or a group. Um, and so we kind of liked that. Um, in the beginning, we didn't really have much like press shots or much like of our image it was mostly art based and so it mm, kind of felt true. like a genderless uh name that could be like it could be an individual or it could be a group or it could be a girl or it could be a boy you don't know um that yeah. was kind of like the the vibe um but it really didn't mean anything to us i mean the in many ways like you've just got to usually just choose something and just go with it and then uh, i actually heard an interesting quote from another artist i forget who it was but Um, She was basically saying that when you write a song, the moment you release it, it's no longer yours. And this is because every listener or every fan basically will take that song and interpret it in their own special way. Um, And then they kind of form a personal attachment to it. Um, And I think the same thing sort of happens with the name as well, you know, because there's a lot of bands. I mean, the first one that always comes to mind for me is Queens of the Stone Age, which is just like such a strange name for a band. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, like they chose it. I'm sure there's yeah. like some reason as to why they did. Um, but nevertheless, it's just like, you know, cool. That's their name. They're now running with it. And that's that's mm. a thing. And whenever I hear that name, I just am linking back to them. So I think a name can sometimes be super important, but other times it just it's just whatever it becomes, you know. So I think yeah. that's cool. Um, so yeah, we I was just we, stuck, I guess. And we didn't, I don't think we actually planned on like, when we did stick with Tora, it was kind of like such an early time before we <coughs> even, you know, started touring or getting like big amounts of players or anything like that. So I don't think yeah. we really realized what it was going to turn into at that time. So we're like, Tora, okay, sweet. Good SEO, let's go. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> and so then we're, we just kind of, it was definitely an improvement. SEO? And oh, I'm pretty bit. sure 100%. I'm pretty sure yeah. Joe was like, sweet, SEO is perfect. Yeah. You know, best thing for SEO was like... That's just a heavy name, metal like band called Tora from, from Norway. I think we can outcompete them. <laughs> There's a few. There's a few Tora's getting around, but no, that's cool. All right, well, that, that that's like the first one, I guess. Um, the other question, fuck. I would love to... Um, for us to create a space where we're able to share ideas. Um, I already mentioned this, but I don't know if we can set it up in a way where like we have a sound card running into the sound card so that we can like actually use a door to kind of show ideas to each other. Um, but mm. I would love that. And I think um, this could really give people some insight into our creative process, like breaking down how we got certain sounds. Yeah, um, but I still think this doesn't have is to be extra curricular stuff. Because the other thing is, I was diving into the service we're using now, Riverside, and they don't stream <clears> stereo. It's all mono. So you're going to want to try and show something on here, and it's just right. going to sound so pitchy. Yeah, so each of our channels are all mono, yeah. mono channels. So it's a stereo, we might, we might, we it's a stereo might channel as one, but yeah. from your side, Joe, it's just, just mono. input mono. So we'd have to use yeah. different services and systems. But also, yeah, we're going to build that yeah. stuff out, I yeah, think, as exactly. well. We're going to try and That'll build out time. some kind of Patreon or Substack yeah. at some point. We'll exactly. see how that goes. But yeah. Key is. Because it would also be really nice to have um, a little bit more of an intimate space for the people that are interested in actually doing that where yeah. we don't have to feel rushed and it's like a bit more of a yeah, I think proper setup. The, yeah, the ideal for me, the way that I would see that working and from the experiences I've had, it would be sort of like a masterclass format. So mm -hmm. you would do something using yeah Patreon, Substack or whatever and then you'd run it as like a, a, a bi-weekly or monthly masterclass mm. and that would be maybe based on production styles or uh techniques etc or like breakdowns like what joe's saying but then it's honed in on like a time that people like link up to and then you have an audience that's like listening that is really interested in those topics that you're speaking about um, and they can ask questions in real and time. they can ask exactly then they can interact and it's it's less of like this uh, podcast format where it's more us speaking to them. It's more of an interactive yeah. version of it. Totally. So um, yeah, I think that that would be really nice and um, bring it. It'll bring us closer to our super fans, like the people yeah. who are really interested. Because I think it's a very niche part of our fan base, or maybe not. We could be super surprised. Maybe there's a lot of um, people interested in that side of uh, as well, like in terms of like musically. Um, yeah, very good. But yeah, we'll have to work out how to so, um, give that to you guys. Next up, lads, what is the writing process like? This this is pretty long form. 
Um, so maybe this, long one, this one actually maybe goes we keep at this the for end. Another... That can go for like an entire podcast. So we can we can do a whole episode. Um, yeah. Everyone's favorite album. Almost at an hour now. Everyone's favorite album that we've put out. Oh wait, our oh, album. Our album. Like, I, I believe our f- yeah favorite yeah. album from each member's view. Okay. Oh, fuck. I don't know. I'm guessing it's a Torah album. That's like that's like asking someone who's the favorite child. That's like a horrible question. But the thing is, there's always one. Let's be honest. Is there though? I don't know if there is. There is. Because I like each, but each, the, each one has its own like vibe. Like everyone has about. its own day. This is what I think. Is like as a parent, mm. one day you're just going to be so pissed at one of your kids, and then <laughs> the other day you're going to probably love them to bits. Um, so maybe maybe that is actually like more like what's going on because maybe on a different day. It and a depends different time. on the day. Yeah. Like I would say, for me, the most polished record, like the proudest work in terms of like production value, is the, is a force majeure. Mm. Um, mm. But I think that it's also, I I would say, take a rest is also like super um, creative, and it might not be as polished, but like it's kind of got like uh, a different kind of value to it so i can't decide but i would say that my least favorite one is the first ep that we put out <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, well let's dude, i only just recently listened to those again i, I can't remember what i was doing the i was, first EP, digging, I was yeah. digging through something and i was listening to it and i was like god damn like it's not bad but it's just it's like just the a whole quality different vibe, and like it's yeah. so the product like everything is sample so selection freaking sand, like, was, <laughs> it's like one dimensional what the fuck is this it's so funny it's wild but there's a mood to it. It's just know. hard to understand mm. that people actually listened to that and thought like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like, <laughs> Bro, I've still got some of my friends and they're like, some of their favorite songs are on those. Favorite songs, yeah. Movies. I mean, because yeah. people don't really mm. give it, like a lot of people just connect with a certain thing and, and that relationship builds over time. It's like yeah. a person you know yeah. for a long time. You might, maybe it's not like the best person, but you love them to bits mm. and you have a huge history with them and that's why they mm. might like the, that song the most. Yeah, um, for sure. And, yeah. and also the, the mood song, they were in, it might have been yeah. a certain thing that got them through a specific difficult time, mm. and that like has a different like sentimental value that yeah. like you can't replace with. No matter how good a new song mm. might be, it just doesn't have the same place in their heart. Mm. So mm. I, I I get that, but when I listen back, I'm like, how did we think that this was like actually good enough to release? It's incredible. Incredible, and to like, and to get us enough traction for us to like actually start playing shows and touring in Australia well, so, and, and the rest so of the that's, world. That's the moral of the story: is for all you creatives out there, just who, put some uh, shit out. Li- yeah. Yeah. yeah, everyone who's like destroying themselves with self doubt. Mm. Being an artist is a battle between having an inflated ego and being crippled by self doubt. And you're constantly on this roller coaster between the two. Mm-hmm. You got to somehow try and find yourself in the middle. But the at the end of the day, people are going to appreciate the fact that you even expressed yourself. And yeah. there's going to be people out there who get value from things that you think could be thrown in the bin. Um, the a per- prime example of that is the night before we finished um, our mm. first EP. I'm oh, sorry, our second EP. We were debating whether or not we should release the song Gigantic. Um, and it, we were almost going to throw it in the bin. Toby was like, I'm not going to 
be in this band if we release this track. And we had like a big spaff about it. And Sean and I managed to convince up, him dude, that it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be like one of like pretty much our first breakthrough track, which got mm, remixed yeah. by Gallon Matthias and um, ended up going viral on SoundCloud. And so like it goes to show that you have to just put stuff out there and not be too attached because at the end of the day the ideas don't really belong to you they belong to everyone like they they just came through you and it's mm. really your duty as the artist to share what share that with the world and let other people benefit from the therapeutic uh element of the track of or of the the art that you've made because mm. you've healed yourself through making it and someone else yeah, is you're just heal a vessel really this. You're like a vessel for the communication of certain frequencies. And if you can, you know, have like drop your ego a little bit and let that be released into the world. Yeah. Like you say, it's sort of almost your duty to do so because you're privileged enough to have that type of creative thinking and the tools perhaps or the resources to be able to create that in an interesting way. But, you know, that idea might not actually be yours. It might be something that you pulled from an experience that you had with a stranger on the mm-hmm. street and without that stranger you wouldn't have had the song and so in a way it's sort of like almost silly to say like oh this is my song but really it's like just a con- like amalgamation of all these different experiences that you've had and have been inspired by various people throughout your life mm-hmm. and so yeah to your point it's like it's kind of your duty to share that and and you'll find that the stuff that you think is not going to do well will often do the best. And I've mm-hmm. definitely experienced that a lot. R- remember too little. Too little yeah. on Take a Rest. Mm. We were it's like, a random interlude track kind of. <laughs> we, were, mm, we didn't think anything of it. 20 million players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but th- th- there's actually a really good book on this um, for anyone that's interested. It's called The, the War of Art by Stefan Pressfield. Uh, or Stephen Pressfield, something like this. But it actually, it touches on exactly what Joe was just talking about, about how there's like some uh, sort of connection to the divine, quote unquote, um, wherein, yeah, we kind of are just channeling um, a lot of the stuff. Because ultimately, as humans, um, we're basically borrowed, you know, like everything that I am is just like uh, borrowed from different people around and things that I Mm -hmm. see. And then it basically just forms like a unique sort of makeup. But, yeah, um, yeah. I, I almost feel like ideas could be viewed as like a natural resource that. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> still got you, Joe. Yeah, you're still here. Yeah, what's up, Joe? Oh no, something's happened. <laughs> he like, drops off. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you really look so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, no. um, oh, Joe. Oh. But yeah, anyway, we can we can probably move on. But yeah, that's a definitely a good point. It's like, yeah, I think we can probably even just, like, we've hit an hour now. I don't know if you guys are happy to, if you want to continue. Yeah, well, let's just um, finish off these questions. I'm still waiting for an answer from Jai and from you, Sean, um, about your favorite about tour what? album. Oh, right. Um, I like Take a Rest. I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's like children. You like different ones on different days in a way. Not that I have children. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I think Take a Rest has like a freedom to it that like the other albums kind of like tightened up on. Um, It also has more creative sort of um, opinions in the mix, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like a very diverse array of interesting ideas in that record. And just the way we wrote it as well, like up on like a mountain 
kind of like all together just in this house mm. like kind of a, a ghetto setup but like also just our first kind of bit of work that sounds semi-polished i think it was sort of like the the point for us where like we actually um we're okay we're gonna make this a real thing you know like when, when we put that album out that was like the marker for us to be like mm. okay we're, we're gonna take this seriously and we're gonna like roll with this as a project and Torah is like gonna be sort of like the main thing in our lives and yeah that's why it's sort of like is important for me is because it kind of marks that mm. time for us and then yeah. and then toby, i love them all toby was like me. fuck this i'm out <laughs> yeah true. Well, yeah well then after that we just you know we did a fuckload of touring just yeah. burnt ourselves that's pretty insane. goodly uh, um i don't know for me yeah take a rest i love i i'm similar to like what joe and jai said in terms of like the creativity on it it had like a lot of experimental sounds and like a lot of sampling mm-hmm. i remember like I'm, i remember going out and spending like hours just recording shit on these like portable zoom, zoom recorders. recorders like cats purring and washing machines winding down and fucking cactus, cactus spikes spines, and yeah. flies in the garden and what like throwing rocks in like a pond so there's a lot of this like organic um self sampling and um oh, we got two joes now um <laughs> this organic self sampling which i think in in later in later years especially on the last album force majeure um because we were living in the city i think we had like a lot of less of our self-sampling organic sounds mm-hmm. um we we relied on in terms of samples we relied heavily on like um <clears throat> like sample packages and things like that um which was fine but it, it gave it a completely different sound yeah um but i do love the new album for the sense well, the last album force majeure because of the crispiness of it like it really sounds uh more like a studio album to me like um take a rest is still polished and still produced really well but it sounds much more like you can hear more or less that it's been recorded in like a living room whereas for me force majeure sounds like it's a studio much more closer to a studio album I mean, um, we, we can't forget Come By The Moody. That is a great record. I, mean, I think yeah. there's like some key tracks on there. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's sort of like we have three out now and we'll need to write a fourth. I think it's just soon, a so constant it's evolution. A Maybe the next yeah. one will be like a weird amalgamation of like the f- new crispy thing and then... The first record kind and of. And the first yeah. record sort of organicness. Maybe we'll do this whole infinity yeah, well, snake eating its own tail. Totally, thing we've totally. been talking about it because I think that, that there's a beauty to simplification as well, and I think um, doing more with less is ultimately what like a really mm. good craftsman um, figures out. Because a lot of the music that I've been listening to, even in recent weeks, um, it just absolutely slaps, and there's just so little going on. Um, and I think that, that there's a confidence in that. You know, if you're a producer or a musician, and you're like, "Wow, this bit just needs to have vocals," and like this drum beat or whatever's going on um it's like you're not trying to hide or disguise your insecurities or your uncertainties with too many layers Mm. with flowers it's just like bam this is gonna slap and that's what's going on there Mm. and um yeah i think that's definitely like a pretty inspiring characteristic that i've i've been noticing over the last few weeks Uh, but that's cool Mm. i I would personally say that i think actually uh can't buy the mood was probably 
my favorite in terms of just how the entire composition, even the visual side of things came together. I also labored mm. for like at least a month on the album artwork on that thing. It was just like, I just went way overboard until there's like this <laughs> yeah, crazy the booklet line, and everything. like the back, I don't know, 12 yeah. page booklet also or some the vinyl. shit, man. That thing was fucking mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. Um, but very, very stoked yeah. in the outcome. Anyway, also the photo, the content creation of that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing yeah. that sto- photo shoot and working with Lumini got, Collection. Yeah, yeah. It was Zena so much fun. That was really good. Yeah, it was. That was really cool. So, um, so, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's fucking impossible. Like, you say one thing, one of your kids, you know, shits on the floor, but the other one <laughs> yells at night. So, like. <laughs> Something like oh, that. God. All right, last question, there's, guys. There's pros and cons to both of them. Last question. All of them. All yeah, three. Um, okay, so we've got we've got three questions here. I'll I'll float them all, and you guys can kind of decide which one. So the first one is lasting friendship in constant close quarters. Second one is crypto for dummies, and the third one is life on the beach, uh, i.e. Byron Bay culture, social norms, their f- foods, etc. So I think crypto. I, I think we do that later. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, speak crypto. about it, crypto. Like we love, yeah. we are all obsessed, but we won't go there now at the tail end of an episode. I, I wouldn't mind touching on like, you know, um, Byron and mm. the way that we were brought up there and sort of like how that compares to us now living all over the place. Yep. Because yep. I know from my experience, like kind of the first time moving out of home um, properly, like at least long term, like I'd done so mm. much traveling with you boys, also done a lot of traveling for other work that I do or since I was 16 basically. But the first time proper getting my own apartment long term would be when we all moved to Amsterdam at the beginning of COVID. It was um, March 2020. We flew over. We knew what was going down, but we did it anyway. Hey, we didn't know the full and extent, it's just, bro. That's, that is to be fair. Yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen, really. Yeah, but we got the, fucking sideballed. Oh, sucked up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But, you know, uh, force majeure came out of it. But my point is, is that, like, learning the differences, like, from experience between the cultures that like you grew up in and what you've what you're currently living in has just been a really interesting experience and it's like it's always an incredible learning curve you know finding yourself in a new culture and understanding the intricacies and starting to pick up all these little new bits of inspiration or things that you don't like or things that you're struggling with um and you know you naturally compare that to your upbringing um and I do want to just say that like for people who are um, constantly doubting their own situations, there is an, a, an incredible beauty to like your own community as well. And like where you did grow up mm. and like, you know, a lot of people will go back after traveling for such a long time. They'll go back to their original community because like that's the place that they feel they connect with yeah. best. And I will just say that like with all the places I've lived in Tokyo, in Barcelona and Amsterdam, different cities through europe Mm. random places in germany it's like it always sort of i I, one thing that you miss Mm. is like the sense of community that you kind of have at home and i think that does develop over years of living somewhere Mm. but it takes a really long time and you have to have a commitment to the place to really like Mm. build that up and so for people who are thinking about wanting to get out of their hometown just remember to appreciate that your hometown can be having this incredible sort of essence to it. And I think Byron to the question is 
a great example of that because it is very hard to beat in many ways. It's super creative and it's a beautiful place, beautiful like morals and good people. And yeah, it's where we all grew up. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing place. And I think that, yeah, I've definitely been grappling with the facts over the last few months of just like all these new places and just trying to like find community there is just takes so yeah. long and it's so much work, language barriers, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I miss home and I'm excited to be back there for a couple months and yeah, be so with nice. everyone. So, Beaches, yeah. cruising around goes, cruising around the pass. Yeah, yeah. Planning to be in Byron. Um, but anyway, I went on a little tangent there. Sorry. Well, I you mean, guys can go ahead. No, I, I agree. I agree. There, there's like a very, very special attachment to the place. Because um, yeah. like my formative years, of course, growing up there. And I think being young in a place like Byron, where you have the freedom, you have the nature, mm. um, you do have a really beautiful community of people as well. Everyone's very open-minded. It, it is a very, very special place to, to grow up because you're feeling very nurtured, you know. And I think also because it's a fairly small community, a fairly small town as well, everyone kind of knows everyone. Um, yeah, some shit goes down, but it's not like, it's it's nothing crazy, nothing I would expect that would happen if you were growing up in like New York City or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at least for me, it will always have this special place. But at the same time, I feel at least when I was there last, I had kind of outgrown the place a little bit. Um, not to say that I don't love my friends and everything and all the people that are still there, but I think if you're really trying to build something um, and you're trying to grow as a person, you sort of have to leave the nest at some point. And mm, yeah, I think there was, I mean- But then coming back can be a really beautiful experience as well, 100%. if you need that. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And so I probably will try and go back soon at some point. Um, at least at this stage, I'm not feeling like a, a very strong calling to to kind yeah. of get back there. Um, but that's not to say that it's not a thing. Like I, I do, I could imagine myself retiring there at some point, you know, just like having a We're little base, area. having a little setup. It's, it's mm. a really, really good spot. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I mean, at least, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know. What about you, Shawnee? Yeah, I think I think one of the key things I miss from from there is like, and maybe it's a bit in terms of like the, um, the culture and the upbringing of that area is is like the connection to nature. Not only the beach, yeah, but also like sure. the hinterland mm. and the fo- rainforests, waterfalls, and, the whole thing. You know, national parks and waterfalls and this like really sense. I didn't of realize like how much Garden that of was Eden sort of shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like as much as I love, you know, living. Um, in Europe and overseas and traveling and how much you sort of grow doing that and really testing yourself, especially being, you know, places like Amsterdam or in Berlin or in Barcelona where there's all these different language barriers and culture barriers that you're having to overcome, like Jai was saying, and also finding uh, your new community and your new sense of like home or friendships or jobs or whatever it may be. Um, you grow so much from that. But one, I, one of the things I keep, like sort of missing out on or feeling like I'm missing is that connection to nature. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's not even just like the surfing. Like, yeah, I love surfing. Everyone always says like, oh, don't you miss surfing? Like, you know, Aussie that surfs and now you live in, you know, Berlin. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do. But I think it's not even just that. It's just, it's even just the fact of going for a walk on the beach or going for a walk in, 
in nature just taking your fucking shoes off and yeah because there's feeling. space hey and there's this feeling of yeah. like uh everything's very unexplored the one thing that mm. i can't get away from in in europe is that it feels like every tree is accounted for and every lawn has been mowed and like every little piece of that land has been so yeah. thoroughly explored um, throughout human history. Whereas, you know, mm. in Australia, you can drive for half an hour and you probably can yeah. be in a rainforest where a human hasn't actually set foot mm. in like thousands of years. Mm. Um, mm. And there, there's something about that where it's 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 humbling, but it's also really beautiful because I think uh, mm. as humans, we, we sometimes forget how important a connection to nature is. Mm. So important. Yeah. What about you, Joe? <laughs> Damn, he got rugged. He gone. Yeah, oh. he never made it to Bayern. That's that right. They didn't let him in. When he got, to- I think Joe is gonna say though, like his he likes the hustle and bustle. He likes the city. Yeah. He likes all of that. I mean, he definitely enjoys nature, but the guy won't get in the water. Like, you'd be hard pressed to get him out to the beach. Doesn't he doesn't do nothing. No beach. Like no he, water, I think he likes sun. nature, but it's it's hard to get him out on a hike, or yeah. it's hard to get him to the beach. That kind of thing. Like I think he likes the city. He likes social connection. Yeah, yeah. that's all. All like Joe's about that. So. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm so jealous. I'm not going back this summer. It'd be so yeah. lush. But anyway, there's Excited. snow here in 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 Berlin, so that's one thing to look forward to. Yeah, I, I would guess. love to go snowboarding. That's like, oh man, we all have so many like, dude. That's little the weirdest thing is, that we can talk about. On is this that Toby well. can't even go snowboarding because the fucking the lifts and stuff aren't even open till December. Oh what? How crazy is that in Switzerland? Oh really? Yeah. Oh what the fuck? Apparently, like this now, the they they only open the resorts now. Um, I think it's the first week of December or something. Uh, well, I don't know if Joe's coming back. Pretty fucking late. Shit. Um, All right. Well, maybe Joe's just gone. Maybe full we can call it now. Um, I mean, we're at like one hour twenty. That's pretty yeah, solid. I mean, it's a good, I think lengthy goodness. Moving forward, we can also just keep things flexible. Like, if we want to end earlier or go longer, I think that's fine as well. I don't think we need to like yeah, predefine yeah. any time. Um, yeah, but yeah, the listeners can let us know if they just want us to, you know. But yeah, like, subscribe, and follow us for more Torah podcasting. <laughs> yeah, all of that good stuff. But um, make sure you fucking do that. Yeah, no, I think just in general, really happy to be doing this with you guys. I think it's like a really good step in the right direction. Yeah, um, and yeah, just looking forward to continuing. I think we should continue to do weekly, personally, if we can. Yeah, we will try and do weekly. Cool. Um, yeah. But also, just send us like questions. Just give us like. Some like we we have plenty to talk about. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. don't get me wrong. Like we can just ramble and ramble. But yeah. like if you guys want more format, send us those questions know. and we we'll can answer those or touch on certain subjects. Even if it's not related to us or music, just stuff that you want to hear us talk about as well. Because yeah. we have such a broad array of interests yeah. and like between us is like probably thirty mm-hmm. hobbies that we all love. Mm-hmm. So like anything that you like um yeah we can probably touch on it you know so yeah it happen well all the best much love guys and much love to everyone Alrighty. listening and watching thanks for listening and, everyone uh, and thanks for the chat boys catch you we'll catch you next time and yeah until then <laughs> ciao Stay safe. thanks ciao. guys bye bye breathing under pressure for a pink sky wishing up for wet eyes